Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Ridge Line from TSPN, the Survival Podcast Network headquarters, also known as the Ant Hill. Today is May 19th, 2011. It's a Thursday. And we're going to do episode 667 of the show today, Modern Survival Ways to Save Money, Part 3. These are all ways that you guys sent to me. Send that to Jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com with TSP Money Saver in the headline. Uh, we went through about 100 of them in two episodes last week. We're going to probably try to get through 40 or 50 today, rocking through them as quickly as I can and giving you some commentary and ideas on them. All of the uh, websites mentioned and online resources mentioned today will be in the show notes. You can just go to the survivalpodcast.com to look that up, and you can look at the other two episodes as well. I think I'll tag these as Money Saver or something like that, and we'll have a special category where you pull up shows like this. Here's the thing, guys. Um, I've gotten so many tips, it's unbelievable. I just imported a hundred more into the folder when I walked into my office this morning uh, from all that came in last week after it was officially closed. So here's what I'm thinking about doing. I'd love to hear your comments uh, today uh, in the comments section of the show episode, what you would think of this. Maybe we do one more of these like this. So there'll be four shows that are just chocked full of it nonstop, fast moving, one after the other after the other. And then I take all the other tips, I put them in a folder, I keep them there. You guys keep sending them in. And every day during the intro segment, I give you one way to save money. Uh, that might help make the show have a broader reach, and it might be more impactful because if you hear them one at a time, you're more likely to remember and practice this stuff. So go to the survivalpodcast.com sometime today, sometime after you've listened to this episode. Look up episode 667. And uh, give me your comment. Tell me if you like that idea or if you'd just like me to keep cramming them in until we run out, if we ever do run out, and keep doing shows the way we're going to do today's. Before we get into today's show, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one, silverandgoldshop.com. I'll tell you what. Um, I've been saying for a long time, 5 to 10% of your wealth uh, in silver and or gold. And uh, that includes your, your total wealth. And that's not a mortgage on your house. But if you own your property, consider the property value part of your wealth. And uh, some people have said to me recently, but with this big crash in the silver market, how would that work out? Uh, it would have worked out great if you'd been doing it over time, if you'd been doing it when silver was trading for $8, $9, $12 an ounce and still sitting in the 30s. It's looking pretty good. Um, we don't buy things in the middle of a bubble. So I wasn't real big on buying silver at $49, $50 an ounce. Um, but uh, silver and gold have proven themselves in the past 10, 15 years. They really have. Uh, you've seen them go up and up and up. And just because something corrects and retracts because people get stupid about it doesn't mean that it's not still a great investment. So that's how I feel about silver and gold. And when I'm looking to do something, especially something creative with my silver investing, some cool silver rounds, when I'm looking for cool silver rounds to give my nieces and nephews and stuff instead of plastic crap made in China on like a birthday or a holiday, I always go to silverandgoldshop.com first because they have some of the coolest stuff. 
Great service and great pricing. Check out silverandgoldshop.com. Next up today, harvesteating.com. That's Chef Keith Snow. We're going to have him on the show next week sometime to talk about cooking with your preps again. He did that before. You guys seem to really like that. Uh, but he's got a great site with all types of uh, information on how to you know, cook seasonally, cook locally, cook with that food you get from your backyard garden or from your farmer's market or from your CSA. And cook really creatively and really great, but do it simply in a way that anybody can do in their own home. So check out HarvestEating.com and look forward to having Chef Keith on the show next week. Lots of interviews coming very, very soon. We're finally here, folks. Um, what I really want to say to you guys today, make sure that I drive this point home, is this is the first show from Hot Springs, Arkansas that's going to be always from Hot Springs, Arkansas. We're done now. Uh, the convoy arrived, uh, you know, a day ago and we've got almost everything unloaded. I got to return the U-Haul trailer today after I get done with this. Got some stuff in the, uh, in the big red diesel truck to, uh, unload because we couldn't get to it because it's kind of a pain in the butt to unload a truck when there's a trailer attached to it, that type of thing. But other than that, the house is just full of boxes and we're unpacking and we're settling in. Thank you again for help making that happen. So with that said, let's go ahead and get into today's show. Again, this is all money saving tips. Ways that you sent me to save money, and I think it's important uh, that you keep doing this. So, uh, again, if you want to submit a tip like this, we're going to continue to use them. You just send it with the subject line. Put in the subject, TSP Money Saver. That'll make sure it gets filtered right. Send that to Jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Let's take your first tip today. The first one is uh, one that we've already heard about. It's from a person called Linda, and it's about the Simple Dollar website, which we've linked to before. But... I um, I wanted to bring this one up today because it's creative and different. It's a, a post on the Simple Dollar, and it's called. It's the post is titled "Announcing the Simple Dollar Personal Finance Seminar." So there's a whole long thing about how there's going to be this great seminar, and here's your invitation uh, that's included in the post. I want you to listen to it. I want you to really listen to the end part especially. I'll give you a link, and maybe you can go read these uh, these five articles that are part of this seminar and see how it helps you out here. Uh, you are hereby invited to the Simple Dollars One Day Online Seminar. The goal of the seminar is to inspire you to great success with your money, your career, and your life. Cost is $40. Seminar content. Spend some time reading the following articles and following some of the links on them. Number one, my story, how I turned my financial ship around. Number two, everything you ever really needed to know about personal finance on the back of five business cards. Three, 100 specific money-saving tips. Four, 25 great single actions for saving money. Five, 100 fun things to do for free. The next step to success is up to you. Seminar cost is $40. How do I pay? Take that $40 out of your checking account. Put it in your savings account. Designate that account as an emergency fund. Or if you already have one designated as the start of a savings for some life goal you have. If you find yourself in a better place down the road, send me an email and tell me about it. So it is a $40 tuition, but you pay the money yourself by moving 40 bucks from your checking general spending fund to your savings account. I thought that was cool. I've always liked the Simple Dollar website. That's an example of why I'll have a link to that post with all those great links in it uh, on today's show notes. Just like I said, everything I mentioned online will be in today's show notes. Here's one of these uh, great emails that are almost like a laundry list that we could do an entire show with just one email. I'm going to blow through it. Uh, a little bit of what we've heard before, but a lot of it is new. comes to us from Jim. Jim says, one, on electric, put a timer on my electric hot water heater one hour before I get up, one hour before I get home. Saves 20% a month on the electric bill. We heard that one before. Folks, that's one I think all of us should do. 
timer on the hot water heater. I've had quite a few people say that they just turn it on and off at different times of the day. The timer will make sure you don't forget. At about 30 to 40 bucks, uh, they will pay for themselves quickly enough. Number two, bought a kilowatt meter from Home Depot, found items that were sucking up electricity when turned off like electronics and wall warts, etc. Number three, I bought a sun oven, paid for itself in two months. The stove is electric. Wonderful for braising things. See recipes here. And there's a link for some solar oven recipes. I'll include that in today's show notes. Number four, and I think this is another one that's so overlooked. And especially those of you who are just, uh, let's say, childless homes now, so it's just mom and dad when it's time to go to bed. Listen to this one. Put an AC unit in the wind in the bedroom. Nice for sleeping. Doesn't require a cool the whole house with a central air unit. I think especially at night when it's you don't really need to cool the whole house. You're not trying to keep you know that in a real hot area like Dallas or, or Atlanta or something like that in the summer. If you let the house go during the day, it's almost impossible to get it cooled back down until night. But at night, you can really maybe even not turn the air off, but turn the AC way way up the temperature on the thermostat way 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 up. Uh, so it doesn't really kick in much at all. But when you sleep and it's 80 degrees, it's, you know, you get sweat in your neck and all. But that little AC unit, and those things are cheap, folks, and you would only be cooling just the one room. So you close all the doors, mom and dad go to bed. Well, it's not mom and dad anymore. Let's say mom and dad to be or grandma and grandpa because the kids are off making other kids. You get the point. And even if you have one, one or two kiddos, having ACs in, uh, the other bedrooms might be a much less expensive way to go. I guess I talked too long on that one because I think it's a cool and simple idea. Uh, next on water and gardens. One, harvest water for the garden and flower bed watering from the rain. Two, install drip irrigation in your garden area. Three, grow a garden. That saves plenty of money. A lot of people have been saying that. Number four, adjust toilet float level to use less water for flushing. Uh, five, add low shower, low flow shower heads with cutoffs to use less water. Uh, number six, get Jerry Baker, America's Master Gardener book on gardening for your library for some great advice. On the low flow shower heads, I've never liked those things. I like the cutoff option, which means that, you know, when you're soaping up, you just basically hit a lever and it just shuts the shower head down to almost nothing. Uh, but I like heavy flow on the shower to get rinsed off. It just seems pointless with those low flow shower heads you spent. You end up using just as much water because it takes twice as long to get all the soap out of your hair and, and whatever. That's just my opinion anyway. On transportation, get and ride a bike to the grocery store for smaller items. You live in an area where that works great. Uh, plan your trips and get the most stops for your mileage. One case we're traveling in a circle is a good thing. Agreed. Learn to change your own oil, at least. It's good to know how. And change spark plugs, wires, heater hoses, and belts. I'd say learn to do brake jobs is what I would add to that with your transportation. Uh, brakes need to be changed regularly before they wear out. Uh, and I'll tell you this. If you go to any of these brake Specialist just brakes and all four wheels for ninety nine ninety five. They will always tell you it's going to be five hundred dollars by the time they're. Oh, this needs to be done and that needs. No, 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 no. They're full of shit. If you don't have metal cutting metal or a frozen caliper, all you need to do is push the calipers back, drop the new pads in, uh, put them on, uh, pump the brakes, bleed them, which is opening a valve. I mean, a brake job is one of the easiest mechanical jobs you can learn to do. Those of you who are going to try it for the first time, make sure you open the master cylinder before you start pushing the calipers back. I'll also tell you guys that own Jetta TDIs like mine, you need a little special tool to turn back one of the brake calipers. It has to be turned back instead of being pushed in. It has to be turned, and there's only a special tool tool that'll grab onto it and do that. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be sitting there like I did the first time I tried to do my Jetta with a caliper and a C-clamp and turning and turning and nothing. you think the caliper's frozen. So 
Uh, there are some vehicles that have that functionality. On health, he says, learn to cook your own food. Healthier and a lot cheaper. Completely agree. Be active. Walk, bike, jump rope. Uh, look for a community or a city gym in your suburb. Amazingly enough, I found one in my neighborhood for 30 bucks a year for residents for a community gym. That's pretty cool. I also found one free at a park community center, but it's too far a ride my bike to. They're not as nice as the $60 a month gyms, but the savings are great. And I say if you get out and walk enough, you don't really need a gym. Gyms are for gerbils. Uh, it's how I really feel. Other than lifting weights and stuff like that, all these machines, these stair climbers, these treadmills, all this crap, we're not gerbils, folks. We're people. Get out and walk in the environment. Get some sun. Get some vitamin D. That'll help your health. Uh, learn to make bread. I have my own, make my own wheat bread. Cheaper, no preserved. is more healthy for you. Taste is great. Number four, learn the art of canning and dehydrating. It's not that difficult. Once again, you have control over what you're eating. Oh, do I agree. We save so much money on food with canning and dehydrating. Uh, that's some money-saving stuff I have done in the last several years. Jim, great email, Jim. Thank you. Uh, let's go take another one. All right, the next one is from Debbie. Debbie sent me a pile of documents. Uh, making homemade laundry mix, which we've kind of talked about before. Herbal muscle rub, homemade cough drops, insect repellents and skin treatments, homemade cleaners, laundry turn, naturally clean home book. Uh, and a homemade salad dressing uh, document. Since they're all documents and they're like in different versions of Word doc, doc and docx, what I'm going to do is I'm going to convert all six of these to PDFs, and uh, they will be in the show notes, and they will simply say Debbie's PDFs, and it'll be, uh, I'll just do like PDF 1, PDF 2, PDF 3, 4, 5, and 6, all on one line individually. You can right-click and download them, because uh, so, I think it'll be better than trying to figure out any other way to get these things to you. In fact, you know what I'll do? I'll just I'll put a sub like a, a an indented bullet, and I'll give the the titles of them so you can get the ones you want. That'll be no real big deal for me to do. Um, she also has some other tips that she sent in her email though, um, and here they are: scallion storage, store dry, not wet scallions in mason jars will keep for three to four weeks. And when she says dry, I don't think she means dehydrated; just means make sure they're not wet. So dry them off with a paper towel or something like that before you put them in a mason jar, and they'll store for three to four weeks. That's great. Leftover herbs, chop fresh herbs, paste the desired amount. I usually measure a teaspoon in ice trays. Fill tray with water and place in freezer. When frozen, pop out, store in baggie. When you need herbs for cooking, remove desired amount, thaw and drain. Cool. I'd say for tip for soups and stuff, toss a couple uh, ice cubes in there and they'll melt. Uh, and they'll go right into the uh, soup. So good idea. Never heard of that one before. Butter. If you have extra cream that you know you will not use before spoiling, process in a food processor for four to seven minutes. A pinch of salt can be added desire. Drain off liquid. Enjoy homemade butter. By the way, that liquid is buttermilk. So you could use the buttermilk as well if you wanted to do something with buttermilk. And if you want to fry stuff, very few things beat buttermilk. Additionally, you want to make Irish soda bread. Buttermilk is one of the ingredients that you need to do that. So we can add some stuff to that. I'll also tell you on butter, an uh, experiment we did when I was a kid in school, and a good way to keep your kids occupied if they're like bouncing off the walls, take some whipping cream, put it into a jar, seal the lid, say, here, shake it. Uh, they have to shake it a long time. You have two or three kids, they can take turns. It will turn to whipped cream, tell them to just keep shaking it. Eventually, it'll go back to a liquid, tell them to keep shaking it. Pretty soon, there'll be a lump of butter in that jar. So you can make butter by shaking cream in a jar, and it does keep kids occupied. They'll get, uh, it's not working, keep doing it. Um, maybe if you need to keep them occupied while you're doing something specific, that would be a good little activity, and they learn something and make some fresh butter for dinner. 
Uh, Dawn dishwashing soap makes a great grease stain remover for the laundry. Much cheaper than a fancy stuff. Didn't know that. Don't waste coffee. Freeze leftover coffee in ice trays for cubes that can be used in iced coffee drinks. Cool idea. That way you don't water down your coffee when you make iced coffee. Homemade cat litter. And there's a link to uh, how to make cat litter from newspaper on treehugger.com. I will... Uh, Put a link to that as well, and I'll put links to all of uh, Debbie's PDFs. Debbie, thanks for taking so much time to put so much information together for the audience. I think these six PDFs alone are probably worth tuning in today, folks. So make sure you go get them off the website. Again, just look up episode 667. Okay, uh, I just got done uh, rolling all those PDFs up and uploading them for you to the show notes, and there were actually two more in there with uh, Debbie's PDFs, so you'll have to check those out to see what they are. Uh, really great stuff she sent us. Took some work to get that up on the site for you in a format that I knew everybody could use, but I thought it was worth it. Going on to the next one from Jason. Jason says, uh, I am known as much pain on the forum. Here are my money-saving tips. Number one, isopropyl alcohol, rubbing alcohol, 90% uh, deodorant. I've been using this for years now. Pour rubbing alcohol into an empty spray bottle. costs about a dollar. Uses a spray deodorant. Four to five sprays under armpit will keep you smelling from smelling the whole day, uh, assuming you shower and wash daily. A 32-ounce bottle of alcohol will last me a year and a half, costs two bucks. Making, making supply of this obviously adds to first aid as well. I get, if you wanted to smell a certain way, I guess you could always do an herbal infusion or something in the alcohol as well. Uh, next one, shave with a straight razor. Learn to do this on you. I learned to do this on YouTube and purchased an adequate razor and sharpening kit for around a hundred bucks. Uh, one razor can last a lifetime or two. Okay, that's not a bad one. Uh, I use an electric razor because I keep the beard and I just trim it. So, uh, but that would probably work for some of you guys. Here's one you probably won't hear from anyone else. I, I bet I don't hear this one from anyone else. But I'll read it, man. I'm reading everything you guys sent. Train yourself to have a daily movement when you get to work in the morning. Use the company toilet paper, lights, water, and soap. I doubt anyone else would cons anyone considers this stealing. Ridiculous? Well, every bit counts. Okay? If I do that, it's my own office, so it doesn't really work for me, but maybe it works for some of you guys. Uh, number four, keep your daily shower towel for about a week before you wash it. Just hang it up to dry. Don't throw it in the hamper. It's clean anyway. You just use it to dry after a shower. This can save a few loads per year of soap, water, gas, and electric and labor. I completely agree. I do not understand people that take a shower, clean themselves completely, use a towel to dry the clean water off their clean body, and then throw the towel in the hamper and do that every time they take a shower. And a lot of people take two showers a day, so that's two towels a day. That's ten towels a week. I, that's, that's an entire load of laundry because towels are big and heavy and absorb a lot of water. And all. I, I don't get it. Um, I use it about a towel a week, basically, uh, and I even use two towels because I like to, you know, wrap one around me and make sure I don't trip on the floor and, and dry my hair and what have you. Um, and I save those two towels, and about you know Saturday they go in the hamper, and then you know a new set of towels come out, and I, I don't get it any other. I don't understand any other way. Here's an interesting one: coffee. And he says, allow me to profess, preface this by saying there are few out there that love and appreciate their coffee as much as I do. I worked at Starbucks for six years. I spent two years as a roaster for another coffee company. I used to purchase around two Americanos per day. That's $4.70. And then started brewing my own, $10 for an 11-pound bag. I began to search for an alternative. After nine months of purchasing many different varieties and brands, I found something I can live with. 
Mind you, I dislike Robusta varieties, Folgers, Sanka, etc., and stick with only Arabica beans. I found that a 75-25 blend of Maxwell House Original Roast, $8 for 35 ounces, and Starbucks Italian Roast blended together and tasted pretty good. I brew about 10 cups in the morning and put it in a thermos for the entire day and save tons of money per year. I think you can buy them. First of all, I like the tip, but I'm going to try the blend because if it's good, it's great. You know, I'll start using it. But I want to say that I think you could buy the most expensive coffee in the world. The most expensive coffee you can buy in a bag in a store without maybe getting stupid. Maybe there's some type of special variety I don't know about. But you can go to the grocery store and buy it in a bag. If you buy that coffee and make coffee with a coffee maker or a French press or however you do it at home, you will save money over buying the cheapest convenience store coffees. I, I completely believe that. And I am speaking as someone that will say, Hi, my name's Jack and I used to be a Starbucks aholic. Uh, I used to drop between five and ten bucks a day in Starbucks on lattes and crap like that. Uh, and it was when I was living the high life and all, and I just thought I was entitled to it. And, uh, you know, I guess I was because I paid for it. But it also didn't make sense, and it's a lot of money. I mean, if you look at five bucks a day on coffee, that's a hundred dollars a month, a little bit more than a hundred dollars a month. And, you know, the occasional tip you throw the barista or the occasional day you pick up one for somebody else. And, you, you know, you look at a hundred twenty, hundred fifty bucks a month. You, people spend on coffee and they do it all the time. And I see people that are broke doing it. Doesn't make sense to me, even though I used to do it myself. I definitely, uh, really think that everybody should, that drinks coffee should look at making their own. Uh, next one, bonus money saving tip. Pay for gas at the pump in cash. When possible, overpay to require a change, a chargeback. Fill up just under a whole dollar amount, no less than eight cents. For example, pay $20 and put in $9.92. Most cashiers will give you a $10 bill back rather than count the change. Learn about your cashiers and fill up when the lazy ones are working. So about $0.08 cents per fill-up once a week is about $4 in free gas per year with no effort involved. Yes, Jack, I am that cheap. I, I, I don't see the problem with it, I guess. It's just that I think you're going to spend more than the $0.08 cents by filling up twice a week than, than, than maybe once a week. But, hey, I, if, if they want to give you the $0.08 cents instead of figuring it out... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's more of a of a of a of a statement on uh Jason being cheap or how stupid uh people have become in this country that you can't work out well if the guy bought nine dollars and ninety two cents worth of gas and gave me a twenty uh, I need to give him ten dollars and eight cents i i i just god i I can't believe that fine um this one comes from Luke Luke says. Uh, Jack, some things I do to save money. Instead of living out of a hotel room, I have a cheap trailer that I stay in during camping season up north by Lake Erie. The positive are that it costs about the same as two weeks in a nice hotel as a whole season costs, April through October. And regardless of what people say about, be, uh, say about bug out location and campgrounds, I found this private campground provides an excellent bug out location. People watch your stuff. And if the uh, stuff hits the fan, I prefer to be here than someplace in the woods of a state park. A few beers goes a long way. Oh, yeah, lots of people here with boats. I'm, I'm welcome every time. You, too, are welcome if you come up here. Well, Luke, I'll have to look you up if I get up that way. I, I agree. And I don't think that bugging out in a travel trailer to a campground is necessarily a bad thing. I think that in 99% of all things that you'd have to bug out for, it's probably a great thing. Uh, anything that's regional or neighborhood or statewide... Um, 
you know, you can go somewhere else with your travel trailer and hook up to and have many of the conveniences of home. The only reason I talk, I say that I don't think you need to have that as your long-term plan is because if we ever have the big one, it's not going to work. All right, it just isn't. Uh, but what do we plan for first? The things that are most likely to happen to us, like losing our home in a storm or being forced to evacuate from flooding or a tornado or a hurricane or something like that. All right, next one, something else to save money. Get someone to rent a room in your house. The losses appreciate and the income is nice too. I write off half my utilities as well as half my property tax, half the insurance, usually non-deductible, etc. So by becoming a landlord with a tenant in your home, things become tax deductible and you get the income. I like that one. When I don't have someone renting, I still have somebody watching the. When I don't have someone renting, I still have someone watching the place and. I may I have a power strip for my TV and DVD player. I turn it off when I'm gone. Uh, good one there. I set my heater to 61 degrees when I'm not at home. In the summer, I set it to 80 or something. Turn the water heater down to warm when traveling. Listen to TSP instead of paying for satellite radio in my vehicle. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, drive a POS vehicle and use duct tape to keep it together. Okay, let me let me say something on that one. I am fine with driving a, a piece of shit vehicle. I really am. But don't use duct tape to keep it together. I think he meant that as kind of tongue-in-cheek as a joke. But I think if you're going to drive a vehicle, it's an older, beater vehicle. That's fine. But make sure you do proper maintenance on it. Make sure it's safe for you. Um, free for to use my name unless the IRS, IRS has. Just kidding. Uh, so what are you going to do for episode 666, looking for a mutant zombie biker show or something? We did episode 666. I didn't even note the uh, the nomenclature there of the number. I don't really put a lot into numeric symbology, uh, but uh, I did think about doing something with it. Just decided it wasn't worth it. Um, here's the next one. Here's a few suggestions from your show. This one comes from Priscilla. Priscilla says, "My husband and I work evenings, three to eleven thirty. We always fix our own lunches for the week by cooking large meals on Saturday and Sunday, putting four to six containers in the freezer, fridge, along with pre-made salads, yogurts, and fruit. We take our own tea, juice, and soda." Uh, with us and use with us as the soda machine charges a dollar twenty-five in snacks or a dollar in the snack machine. We take steak and potatoes, slow-cooked pot roast, stuffed bell peppers, etc. Tonight I had chicken Alfredo, garlic bread salad, and last night I had beef shish kebab and corn on the cob. People at work always comment on how good I eat as they are buying out of the snack and soda machines. Isn't that the truth? I'm gonna tell you a story here, guys. I, uh, many years ago, I guess this was. Now, this might have been when my wife worked for the place she quit recently, but the first time she worked there. She actually worked there. We moved to Pennsylvania. She came back, and they gave her a job back. And I think it was back the first time. She goes into work, and she decides, you know, we're going to start saving some money. So she takes leftovers in. And uh, it was like a piece of top sirloin or ribeye or steak or something like that that I had cooked on the grill the night before. And I just, we had gotten like one of those big value packs. I think my son went somewhere, so I made too much steak. She had a really big piece of nice, pink, well-grilled, gorgeous piece of steak. And, you know, maybe a leftover baked potato and a little salad. And she sits down to eat with the girls. So we're all buying the junk food from the cafeteria. You know, and spending maybe seven, eight bucks to buy that. Now, in her meal, we have maybe four bucks, right? Because it's and, and it's leftovers on top of that, so it's already saved us money by not going out the night before. And one of the girls, who's just financial moron, is the only way I can describe this person, uh, says, "Boy, Jack must be doing pretty good if you can eat like that." 
And you just wonder if these people even hear themselves talk. Right back down into this. We also cut our cable down to basic with local channels for news, weather, and subscribe to Netflix, which plays tons, saves tons of cash. I've heard that from a lot of people. If I had high-speed internet, I'd do the exact same thing, uh, but I don't at the, at the house. We grow quite a few vegetables in the summer and blanch and freeze to dehydrate. We make salsa with tomatoes, buy large quantities of strawberries for jam, to freeze for pies and shortcake. We go to Sam's and buy in bulk. So we have anything on hand to whip up a four-course meal at a moment's notice. We do not eat fast food, all caps across that. I completely agree. In fact, we rarely eat out at all, preferring home-cooked meals. We know the difference between wants and needs and find we do well with less, and we always discuss wants in advance and have the cash to buy rather than using a credit card. I completely agree. I've always said this until we finally moved up here. Every time we would come up here and we would sit around our, our you know, our bug out location is, I guess, what we considered at the time and now it's, I guess, a homestead. Um, we had all the food we could ever want. We had all the things we needed to live there, but we didn't have any of our junk, our stuff, our TVs. We had this little bitty 12 inch TV, a little antenna that only got like five channels and, and, you know, some books and, and that was pretty much it. And most of the house was empty. And my wife always used to say, I feel so content. I think there's a lot to be said with that. And always discussing wants in advance. I say more than that. When we want something, we go, we look at it, we evaluate it, we decide, yeah, we want it enough to buy it. Yeah, we have the cash. Now we'll buy it next week and see if we still want it next week before we buy it. We are both on the same page with household finance. We know what's coming in and what goes out. We do the bills together. I like that one. I have to tell you, Dorothy is our accountant, bookkeeper type person. But every week uh, that she sits down to write bills, I look at them after she writes them. I know what's going on. I look at account balances and all that stuff with her. I don't write the bills with her because if we're writing the bills together, one wants to do the ledger one way and one wants to do the other way. Of course, my way's right, but she won't listen to me and we fight. So I just have her do that. We choose to live below our means and plan to downsize even further to a smaller home and acreage as we get closer to retirement. Agree completely with that one. Hopefully some of these can help you out with the show. I could come up with so many others, but it's late and I'm headed to bed. Keep up the good work. Love the show. And I called you Priscilla. Your name is actually Carol. Carol, thanks for that email. Let's take another one. Here's another one with some additional information, but also inter in endorsing the kilowatt energy uses monitor. Uh, this one comes from, no, Art. Art says, mostly in electrical savings, I purchased two items, a kilowatt electricity usage meter, about 20 bucks, helps me, one, to locate electrical links, TVs, VCRs, computers, DVD players, all use power even when off. I will also tell you, for example, that the refrigerator I own uses 1.1 kilowatts per day, very handy, and he's got a link to where you can get one of these. I also purchased an ENVI home energy monitor. The device has two current clamps that go around the two power phase cables inside your power panel and is used to view the power of your entire house. There is also an iGoogle applet that shows you the power usage and is updated every five minutes. Additional clamps can be purchased to monitor specific circuits and software available to monitor single circuits you may you suspect Maybe problems. I think I paid around $120 for it. Uh, there are many folks that may want to consider hiring an electrician to install this because you have to open your power panel to install it. There are no physical connections, and the sensing clamps go around the main power cables available at currentcost.net. Between the two devices, I was able to cut my electric bill from $100 to $49. Basically, you start paying attention to things you're leaving on and find out how much power different devices in your house use. It was interesting to see how much power the house was using with everything off. 
I have my home theater system on a power bar. I turn it off at the power bar after I'm done using it. I put a piece of black electrical tape over the VCR flashing 12 because it bugged me. You still have a VCR? I bet he means DVD player. I leave the direct TV box plugged into an always-on outlet so it doesn't lose programming or programming guide. The home theater system uses close to 75 watts when everything is turned off. That's like leaving a 75-watt light bulb on at all times, folks. My computer is also turned off at the power bar when I'm done using it. It uses 20 watts when off. Interesting. Consider also signing up for an online account with a utility company. My company, Excel Energy, has just started to have information similar to the ENVI power monitor. They also have quite a bit of info on how to cut costs. Um, I think those are some great tips there, Art. Thank you for those. Uh, he also has a rebuttal on uh, what Paul Wheaton said about CFL lights. So also for what it's worth, Paul Wheaton has an intriguing article on CFL lights, and then it's Rich Soil, Paul's article on that. Paul, as you know, has been on the show before, a great permaculturist. A rebuttal on Paul's own form. Personally, I've used CFLs, but like Paul, I tend to turn lights off after I'm done using them, and they're only on for a few minutes. I've had the majority of, of CFLs I've used die after six months to a year. Of course, they're all made in China. Keep up the great work. Art. I think the CFL is largely misunderstood. Now, this is how this works. An area that you keep lit off in makes sense to use a CFL. An area that you go into, use a light and turn it back off, it makes sense to use an incandescent light bulb. And nothing's going to change my opinion on that because that's the truth. And if you look at the actual energy jaws, draws, that's how it works. So if you have, let's say, a living room that you have a couple lights on for a long period of time because people are sitting there playing games or whatever, then yes, CFLs make sense. If you have like your light in your kitchen, you turn it on when you go in your kitchen, you do your thing and you turn it back off, uh, you're actually going to do better with an incandescent bulb. Maybe you have both. Maybe you have a small fixture with an incandescent bulb and a larger fixture using fluorescence. When you're in there cooking for a long period of time, you turn those on. When you go in there to grab something out of the refrigerator or whatever, you turn the other switch. I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's they both have advantages and disadvantages. The reality is it's going to be the LED light. Uh, as it becomes perfected and affordable, that's actually going to do something about this. It's not going to be full of mercury and be a toxin. It's going to last longer than either one. It's going to have lower draw than either one. And it's not going to have to slowly start up and build over time. And that's why CFLs actually use more energy when you turn them on and off because they have to build up. And it also kills their lifespan. It absolutely just decimates how long they last. And remember, they are full of mercury whether we want to admit that or not. Um, going on here, Ross sends us an email. Hey, Jack, it's Rosswell. I have a bunch of different ideas for saving money listed on my website. Have a good one. And I'll put uh, a link to Ross's stuff, but here's some of his tips. Use rainwater in your water uh, to water your lawn and garden. Uh, make your own compost instead of buying it. That saves tons. You don't want bag of compost costs, folks. And it's all your garbage. You just don't throw it away. You put it in a compost bin. Buy in bulk or when stuff is on sale, go to the library for your books and movies. Instead of spending money going out, think of other ways to save money. For instance, go on a hike instead of joining a gym. Cook instead of going out to eat. Read a book or watch a movie from the library. If you have to buy it, uh, then why not get it used? Check out eBay and Amazon for used books and movies. Uh, I say check out eBay, Amazon, etc. on anything you're ever going to buy. Uh, there's so many stuff, things that you can find for discounts. 
even of new stuff, a lot of times you can find discounted. Uh, next one, visit freecycle.org where you can find all sorts of stuff that people are giving away. That is an awesome site. That is an amazing site. We heard it from another listener. I'll put it in today's show notes as well, though. You've got to check out Freecycle. Um, Craigslist is another website I get great deals on. Uh, clip coupons from the paper and save them. Uh, save them from the grocery store line and scour the internet. One site I use before I even make an internet purchase is RetailMeNot.com. You can also use a search engine and look up name of company and coupon. You will usually get hits uh, current coupon deals uh, going on in the store. Some are codes for online and others to be printed for use in the store. Save on energy. There are so many ways to do this. When you leave a room, turn the lights off. Use energy-saving appliances, CFL bulbs in your lights. Uh, turn off things like cell phones and there are the vampires. We've had that a bunch of times. Use alternative energy, such as solar panels and wind turbines to save on your energy bill. And in some cases, sell energy back to the power company. Initially, this can be quite expensive, but you can probably find grants or tax credits, both federal, state, and some in your area. On that, I think one of the things that people are really overlooking as a way to generate electricity is wood gasifier uh, generators. Uh, because you can basically find tons of scrap wood for free and use that to generate electricity. Uh, think about what that would mean if you generated maybe four to five kilowatts power a day from free scrap wood. Just another thought there. Um, next one is from Tony. Tony says, uh, I'm vet 1776 uh, on the forum. Uh, packing your own lunch is, uh, of leftovers, uh, lunch in the area where I work costs between eight and eighteen dollars. Bringing my own leftovers and simple lunches from home saves me two two thousand to forty five hundred dollars a year. I tried to tell a friend of mine to consider leftovers, but he won't listen to me. Maybe he'll listen to you. Hey, Tony's friend, you eat leftovers, you idiot. If you don't eat them, you're going to throw them away. So it's a double cost. Uh, I also have one one car. For a four-person family, I ride a bicycle every day two miles to my bus stop, and from the bus stop, uh, bus jump on a metro, which is paid for by my employer. You, no, uh, you. <laughs> I don't understand that one. I'm paid for my by employer. You, uh, no parking equals four dollars and seventy-five cents times two hundred and fifty equals eleven hundred eighty-seven dollars in savings a year. Not to mention gas savings. Care for a second car. People in my neighborhood always tell me they don't understand how I do it. I don't understand the statement. Maybe they're referring to the constant use of the bike through the rain, sleet, wind, whatever. I don't ride in heavy snow, of course. I'll walk in that case. Um, every three to six months, I allocate an additional $50 per day or so to one of my savings accounts. Uh, this is my third year of gardening, and I've had the pleasure of making salads already for the past two weeks. I overwintered a lot of greens, onions, carrots, uh, and it was worth the wait and work. In spring and summer, gardening is well underway. I've hived my first package of bees last week. The ladies seem to be doing very well. The bargaining I did to get my home and the HVAC system I had to install in the winter are also items I would include, uh, but I have to run now. Those can be found at todolisthome.com, inspired by you, acted on by me and my family. The HVAC show uh, won't be up until later this week. Last item is for folks... Uh, out there who cherish the work they have. So many things come as a result of hard work, uh, something you're good at. Uh, good luck and uh, get and more to save out there. Wish I had been doing this since I was 20, but I'm having a ball now in my 40s, of course. Emphasize to your listeners that none of this is simple, but then again, nothing worthwhile is, Tony. Actually, I do think it's all simple. And let me tell you why I think it's simple, Tony, and everybody else. Simple means something you can do. Easy means something that's easy to do. 
So it's all simple. It's all things that you can do. Uh, there's no one out there that can't do all of this stuff, all of the things we're talking about. Easy would be like somebody does it for you. Anyway, I will put a link to todolisthome.com, Tony's website, in today's show notes. Let's go on to another suggestion. Here's some stuff from a listener called Jake. Jake says, Never buy carbonated or alcoholic beverages at the store. Buy, borrowed that one from Jackie Clay. Flavor Berkey water with lemon, lime, fruit juices, or powders from dehydrating. Okay, I'm still going to buy some beer, but I get your point. Uh, buy everything, and I mean everything in bulk, and that's something that we all should be doing as much as we can. If you buy a lot from Amazon, get a Prime membership. It can pay for itself in no time. Turn the effing lights off, and he didn't put effing. I just don't use that word on my show. Uh, I might say shit on occasion, but I don't use the F word. I let guests use it on rare occasions. Uh, that was borrowed from Paul Wheaton. Seriously, we never have more than 15 to 20 watts at any one time. Just got a bill for last month, $78.23. Cancel everything. That, that only $29 a month bullshit adds up in a hurry. Next one, track what you spend by category with Quicken, etc. You'll have a stroke when you see the numbers. <laughs> Quit smoking. It's saving me $9,000 a year. Completely agree. Better for your health. It'll save you more than $9,000 on what you won't spend uh, with the doctor, hospital, etc. Smoking is one of the worst habits you can have. You can be angry at with, at with me for saying it. You can get upset with me for saying it. You can be really pissed off that I'm telling you to quit smoking. But let me tell you this flat out. You can't tell me I'm wrong. And that's, that's all there is to it when it comes down to how much it would benefit you financially and physically as well. I'll say this, though. If you're going to smoke, fine. Grow your own tobacco. At least you'll have to put effort into it. Maybe you'll smoke less, and you won't be smoking the additives and crap that go into cigarettes. And if you're going to smoke, um, try cigar once in a while. You won't end up addicted. I'm not saying it's good for you, uh, but I know lots of people, including myself, that might smoke one cigar every 30 to 60 days. I don't know anybody that does that with a cigarette. There's a reason. Uh, next one, consolidate trips and rarely leave the house because you have things stored. Uh, cancel credit cards, pay cash. I just paid mine off. Again, they are, uh, they are run up. And again, they are run up again. Uh, so I guess he's saying if you don't get rid of them, you'll run them back up. Prep. I buy everything ahead now. Write down a printer, paper, tinfoil, and birdseed. It's not going to get cheaper next year. Spend your money today on the things you're going to use tomorrow anyway. Store LTS freeze-dried food, long-term storage freeze-dried food. Yes, it's expensive. It's going to outlast me, so I'll use it in my eat in my golden years. Uh, again, not going to be cheaper in 20 years. Maintain your vehicle. No reason you can't get 10 years out of a car unless the repair is 50% of value, don't do it. Uh, unless the repair is greater than 50% of the value, don't do it. Uh, I, I think you're right on, on the vehicle thing. 10 years, I mean, I, I don't know what's happened, folks. I, this is another one of these things I just scratched my head at. Don't tell me that they made cars better in the past than they do today. They made cars easier to work on. But cars are largely more reliable today than they've ever been at any time in history. There's expensive parts that break, but they're generally quite easy to replace parts. But when I was a kid, my first car was a 1972 Pontiac Grand Prix LJ. Uh, and, you know, it was like 1987, I guess, when I got that car. 87, I get, yeah, but 87 sounds about right. So it was, uh, 10, 15 years old, and that was normal. 
I mean, my car was a bit more of a beater than most other kids' cars uh, that I went to school with. A lot of them spent a little bit more money on their first car, had dad spend a little bit money on their first car. But in 87, there were plenty of kids running around with cars that were pre-75. Now you go to a high school parking lot, and it looks like a lot of our kids are driving better cars than a lot of, uh, a lot of adults are if you go by a, you know, a typical place where people work in a warehouse or an office. I mean, you see brand new cars sitting out there, and I, I don't understand that at all. I think you should be able to put on a gas motor a minimum of 200,000 miles, on a diesel motor a minimum of 400,000 miles. It's just about the maintenance. So, Jake, great suggestions there. Appreciate that. Um, next one up we have today is uh, Brent up in uh, Prince Edward Island. He sends me all kinds of cool stuff all the time. Sent me a link to a Mr. Heater propane tank adapter where you can refill empty one-pound propane cylinders at home in about a minute. The adapter connects one-pound cylinders directly to 20-pound propane tanks, comes with instructions for safe and easy refills, works with both old and new-style bulk propane tanks, uh, and it says it refills recyclable um, one-pound, refill empty one-pound propane cylinders in about a minute, the recyclable kind. So I don't know if there's a specific type of one-pound uh, thing you can do that with, but I really like the idea because those things are way, way expensive. Uh, Brent also sent some additional instructions. says, long, key thing is to put the empty one-pounders in the freezer for about an hour to allow more propane to enter. I usually get three-quarters of it to fill. As time goes on, the tank will weaken and the escape valve will vent propane. Then I throw it out. I usually get to 20 fills out of a one-pounder. Another tip is to turn your 20-pounder upside down. I guess that's when it's in storage so it doesn't leak. I, I really don't get that one, Brent. If you want to kind of uh, send me some follow-up on that on what that does to turn your 20-pound tank, maybe it just gets more out. It's more efficient, so you're saying while it's being used or while you're using it for filling. I, I'm not really sure on that one, but refilling your one or your one pound propane tanks, if you have stuff that uses them, that can save you a lot of money. Let me tell you another thing that saves you a lot of money. Go to a place, a lot of U-Hauls do this, and take your empty tanks and have them refilled. Do not do those swap your tank things at grocery stores and convenience stores. One, they charge you too much, and two, the tanks generally aren't completely full. So there's another uh, bonus tip that I'll add on to that one there. Um, I, I can't tell you how many people have actually written in and said that they've weighed the tanks and determined that you do get ripped off uh, and you overpay not just the overall cost per tank, but you're paying for 20 pounds of propane and getting maybe 16 pounds of propane uh, when you use those automatic exchange things. On a rare occasion, I'll do it. Uh, if I'm really in a hurry and I just want to make sure that I don't get, you know, I, I have four tanks, four 20 pound tanks, and I never let them run empty. Also, when one of the tanks starts to get, if I've had it for a long time, I'll go do an exchange, uh, and I'll make sure I get a nice, clean, brand new tank. And, uh, you usually have to use the ones where the guy actually comes out. I'll be like, I, I don't want that one. Can you give me that one over there? And maybe why? Just because I asked you to, dude, give it to me. And if you won't do it, I'll go somewhere else. Um, so I use the exchange basically to upgrade my cylinder after a long period of time. Uh, but definitely otherwise I'm always going and having it filled. Here's some simple easy ones. Uh, Steve says, um, hey Jack, last May we installed a clothesline. I haven't used the dryer, but a couple of times since. Also in October, we added insulation in the attic. The cost was $300. We did it ourselves. Last 12 months, electric bill was down over $748 over the previous 12 months, Steve in Texas. 
That's great. I'll tell you the other thing. I know a lot of people, when I talk to them about clotheslines, say, well, when the clothes come in from the clothesline, it's all stiff and it's rough and it, it, you know, it just doesn't feel soft like it does from the, the dryer. Fine. Dry your clothes on the dryer or dry your clothes on a line, bring them in, throw them in your dryer, run the dryer on the hot cycle for about two to three minutes and take your clothes out, fold them and hang them up, put them away. They'll feel like they went all the way through the dryer, but you'll only use the dryer for that softening action. Because I agree with you, and I don't care what kind of softener you use in the washing machine, the clothes are kind of stiff and all when they come off the line. I grew up in a household, we didn't own a dryer. We didn't have a dryer, period. And uh, we always wore clothes off the line. The first time I had clothes out of a dryer, I was like, this is nice. So I'm okay with that. Um, but you can still dry a lot of your stuff on the line, especially, look... Dry the towels, the jeans, the heavy clothing until they're fully dry or 90% dry and then pitch them in there. That will reduce the time that dryer has to run a lot. And on your washers and dryers, get the most energy efficient stuff you can when you replace your equipment. Uh, I think that helps a lot as well. Uh, we had a caller or an emailer earlier that said to use the Amazon Prime account. Well, here's one from a guy named Nate. Nate says, I'm a college student and found out that Amazon offers a free Prime account for one year for college students. All you have to do is sign up with your .edu email address. I was able to apply this benefit to my existing Amazon account without any trouble. Here's the link, Amazon.com uh, student sign-up info. Uh, I'll put that link in today's show notes as well, so that's another great tip. This one's from David, and it's chock full of stuff. This, again, is one, if I was taking my time, I could probably do a whole show just on the stuff that David's going to throw at us here. Use the web to save money. Uh, one, three to four times a year, I take an afternoon and troll through my bank account online, looking for recurring charges and reassess whether I need them or not. Invariably, I find one or two small six to twelve dollar a month things that I signed up for and no longer use or need. Each one can save seventy to one hundred and fifty dollars a year. Two, I use Mint.com to set budgets and see where the money is going. I like that. Haven't heard of that. I will put a link today uh, to Mint.com in the show notes. Don't eat out is an obvious way to save, but if you do eat out, go to Restaurant.com and buy a $25 gift certificate for $10. This saves me $15 every time we go out to eat. Okay, I want to tell you something about these kind of things like Restaurant.com. We use them too. But you have to know what you're doing when you do this. Read the fine print. Some will say, well, okay, you can buy a $25 gift certificate for $10, but you have to have a minimum order of $50 for the gift certificate to apply. Uh, some will say that, plus alcohol not included. So not only is the alcohol not included in the discount portion, but it's not included as your total table cost. So if you're going out to eat with family and there's more than two of you, you know, going over 50 bucks at a restaurant isn't hard to do. That's why it makes so much sense to eat home in the first place. But just make sure when you're buying anything on Restaurant.com, you do look at the fine print. That's, that's a great way to save. You just need to know what you're buying because there's times when there's some gotchas in there. Number four, set yourself up as an Amazon affiliate program member. Use click-through URLs to buy stuff you were going to buy anyway. Uh, it's like getting cash back. And it can work out. Unless you buy a lot, though, it doesn't add up to much. Um, I sell a lot through Amazon with the Survival Podcast, with my books list and things like that. Um, and it takes a lot to add up to even a hundred bucks on Amazon because it's a small commission. It's like four percent, but um, it will add up if you are making major purchases. Certainly, things like if you're going to buy a TV or something, uh, it's a great way to create a rebate. Uh, buy and buy or sell gift cards with unused balances on them, and he's got. 
uh, one, two, three places you can do that. Cardnap, Plastic Jungle, and Cardpool.com. Number seven, energy saving tips from the Department of Energy. It's a PDF from the Energy Department. So I'll put links to all of that stuff. And again, great stuff. Low-tech ways to save money. Number one, turn off the ice maker in your freezer. Most ice makers have a little heater inside to keep the motor that turns the ice maker from freezing. Not only is the heater using energy, but it's warming up the freezer too. Uh, and then there's a link about this on a blog that I'll put up. Number two, sort laundry by cloth type instead of color. When you dry your clothes, you will save a lot of money. Because you dry heavy items with light items, it takes longer to dry. Um, the two dryer loads will take, say, 40 minutes each because the heavier items hold more water and dry slowly. If you split the heavy load and light load based on this type of material, then a light load would dry much more quickly in, say, 20 minutes. The heavy load will still take roughly the same amount of time. So even if you don't want to use a clothesline, there's another way to do things. Uh, and if you've ever tried hanging your clothes up inside your house and you thought it takes forever for them to dry, it does. You need a clothesline outside, folks. Number three, run your appliances at night to take advantage of lower energy rates. If you live in a place where that applies, that makes sense. Four, if you drive a lot, clean out unneeded items from your trunk to save on fuel costs. That's probably a good idea, except all my vehicles fully stocked with bug out gear. I uh, hope those are good. David, David, I think those are great. Uh, that's absolutely awesome stuff, man. Thank you. And uh, let's go ahead and take another one. Hey, next one, simple, short, and to the point from Jason. This is run by an old friend of mine from high school, sarahsdeals.blogspot.com, serving the Grand, greater Grand Rapids, Michigan area. But when I look at Sarah's Deals, I think it's bigger than Grand Rapids, Michigan, because a lot of the stuff is major chain stores that run the same things nationally. So basically, Sarah's Deals is just a really cool blog where Sarah just every great deal she finds she posts uh, deals of the day from places like um, you know Walmart printable coupons uh, all kinds of stuff just a ton of information on current deals values and places you can save money um, justice for girls god I hate that store I hate that store but I guess if you're going to go there and buy your little girl something then uh, then it's uh, it's good to get a deal on it because boy it can sure be expensive my niece loves justice uh, I think it's ridiculous that a store like that even freaking exists. And we're paying designer clothes prices for girls that will grow out of them in like a week. But uh, that's just an example. So again, Sarah's Deals. And Sarah's Deals, even though it's on Blogspot, she does have a domain of her own. So it's actually sarahsdeals.net, but there'll be a link to that website in today's show notes. Definitely worth checking out and subscribing to our RSS feed or uh, email updates. I didn't see if she had that or not, but she probably does. Uh, let's take another one. Okay, two we haven't heard yet come in from Jason. Jason says, number one, soap grafting. He gives a YouTube video. I'll put a link to that video. Take your sliver of skinny bars of soap. Don't send it to the sink. Get a new bar of soap. Take a washcloth while you're still in the shower. Place the new bar of soap onto the washcloth and hold it under your shower to get it soaking wet. Take the smaller sliver skinny bar, even if it's broken in half, and place it onto the new bar. Fold the cloth over it, then press hard between hands. Cloth helps two different soap bars from moving and shifting. Then carefully peel the cloth back. You'll never waste soap ever again. You know, I remember when I was a kid, this guy had this thing he was selling. It was like a little container. You put all your slivers in there, and eventually it made a whole new bar of soap. But this way, you're just taking your little bar and slamming it into your new bar. And I guess once you, you know, used it a few times, it would disappear, and you never even realized you did it. Great tip, and that's an easy one. And, you know, what's a bar of soap cost? But what's, you know, in a family of four or five, what's, you know, ten bars of soap cost every month? 
Uh, what are what are 20 bars of soap every month? What if you cut that from 20 to 15 by doing this? I think that's a great little tip. Number two, extend the life of your razor. Uh, I've seen this one. I thought this is a great idea. I was waiting for somebody to send it in. Uh, in fact, I probably saw Jason's video on YouTube, and this is the Jason that's that's, that's kind of made this famous. Uh, take an old pair of blue jeans and hang uh, that hang in your closet. Take your razor and swipe it about ten times in one direction, away from the cutting edge. Then change the directions as the weave of the denim, denim generally in a diagonal pattern. This helps hone the blade, takes nicks out and unblend the blade. I have blades that last six months or more. See my instructable and read the comments of people who have tried it and proven it to themselves. You will save big money on the $13 plus dollar replacement blades. Instructables.com, uh, how to extend the life of your razor blade and a YouTube video showing it as well. Number three, use Instructables.com to learn how to construct most anything. Step by step how to's. Cheers and happy saving. Uh, Jake. Jason, I don't call him, called you Jason. It's Jake. Great stuff there. I think that's an awesome uh, uh, email with saving tips in it. Um, and those of you guys that use like the Mach 3s and those really expensive razors, this can save a lot of money. I mean, I don't know if you've been to any of like the discount stores or anything lately, but generally when you want blades for your razor that are these higher end razors, uh, you have to go get somebody to unlock a case to get them out because people are stealing them because they become that expensive. So making them last six months, that can put a lot of money back into, uh, the pocket. And it's really easy. Check out the links from Jake and uh, how to do these things. They're pretty cool. Here's three simple, easy, practical ones from uh, Brian in Oregon. Number one, spices. Do not buy spices at the grocery store. Go to a store that sells spices in bulk. I have purchased spices that you would pay $6 or more a bottle out of the rack, but because I walked to the back of the store and bought in bulk, it cost me less than 50 cents. This is especially true if you have a favorite barbecue rub you like to make. I make my spice rubs in batches of about four cups. These batches only cost me a few dollars. Had I uh, bought even the large spice bottles at Costco, it would have cost me $40 to make that amount of rub. Side note on this one. One day I'm at a, a restaurant called Texas Roadhouse. And we'd actually been buying their seasoning. Uh, and I was trying to kind of clone it. But even when I used their seasoning to make a steak, it never quite tasted the way I expected it to. Because their steaks are awesome. If you've ever been to Texas Roadhouse, their steaks are amazing. Their prime rib is unbelievable. Well, they have a place where you can actually watch the guy cooking the steaks, but we're generally never watching them because when we do go there, we call ahead. We never wait in line like everybody else does, and you don't see the guy cooking from where you're sitting in your chair eating peanuts and throwing the shells on the floor. Yes, we really do that in Texas. Anyway... um, one day we decide, kind of on a whim, let's go there and get some prime rib. And we're standing waiting for a table because we're going to have to wait like 30 minutes now because we didn't call ahead and, and what have you. And I look in and I watch the chef cooking. And the guy is coating. the. St- I don't mean, I mean just like he's like puts it on there and he's like basically throwing it on the cast iron uh, skillet to, uh, or you know, like a griddle to sear it. Uh, both sides, and then moving it over and grilling it over the propane grill that they have inside there. It was the amount that amazed me. And I think as long as we're not talking about salt, um, I think one of the things that a lot of us do, and I've learned this over the years, is we under-season things when we're using herbs uh, and when we're using spices. And unless it's something that's really hot that's going to overheat the food for us, we need to use a lot more than we think we need to do. So you, this tip alone is a big deal because those little things of, like, 
beet rubs and stuff, you got to use more of that than you realize to really get the results that you want from it. You do have to, again, be careful not using things that are heavily salted when you're using larger amounts. But the next time you're making some meat and you're using a rub that you've been happy with in the past, use more and see what kind of results you get. Because those herbs have great flavor, but a lot of that stuff gets cooked off. You want to get enough on there to cook it into the meat. Next one, I like this one. I don't know if there's any place around here that does this. We get some weird alcohol laws in Arkansas. Beer. If you don't want to make beer but like to drink it, look around for your local brew pubs. There's one in my area where I can build, bring in my own corny keg, and they'll fill it up with for 50 bucks. It's as cheap as making your. It's not as cheap as making your own, but still a lot cheaper than buying it by the bottle. Uh, those of you who like to drink a beer can also just by going to a kegging system and buying in the keg, you're going to save a lot of money as well. That's a lot of beer to keep around, but it's good for. Uh, You know, if the, if, the, if the shit hits the fan, you've got beer, and beer pays big dividends in a... Uh, I know people say, well, you don't want people drunk and shooting at you when you, the shit hits the fan. Uh, well, when it's a small local thing uh, and you're looking for somebody to clear out your driveway, a six-pack of beer goes further than a $20 bill, trust me. Um, for those that may not know what a corny keg is, that's a Cornelius keg, and they're the type of kegs they used to use mostly for soda. And now they have the syrup in the bag, and they have the, the the CO2, you know, externally and all. They don't do it as often anymore. So a lot of them are available. A lot of uh, home brewers, such as myself, have used Cornelius kegs uh, for uh, for you know doing our beer. And they range in size. And I don't know what size he's getting filled for 50 bucks, but you know, they range from about three gallons uh, to about 10 gallons. And I, I don't know. I've just run across most of them being five gallons. So five gallons for 50 bucks is $10 a gallon for good uh, brew pub made beer. That's a hell of a deal compared. I mean, have you, you priced a uh, six pack of New Belgian or uh, Saint, what is it, St. Andrews or anything like that lately? A good micro brew is going to run you between seven and $10 a six pack. So that's definitely a way to save money on your beer if you're a beer drinker. Last one, guns. You've mentioned this in the past, but 22 long rifle ammunition is much cheaper than any other ammo available short of BBs. While there's an initial investment, there are AR-15 uppers as well as slides for 1911s. You can get convert your existing firearms to use this ammunition. While you still want to practice with full power loads, you can practice uh, form a lot longer with $30 worth of 22s than you can with 45 ACP. You'll be hard-pressed around here to get 100 rounds of 45 ACP for 30 bucks. Well, I can get over 1,000 rounds of 22 long rifle ammunition. And again, that was from Brian in Oregon. Brian, I completely agree with the 22 conversion kits. And those that are like, well, it doesn't really count unless you're practicing with full-power loads are full of crap. They're full of you still want to practice once in a while with full-power loads. You do. But the reality is, is in a heightened situation where you're actually relying on those higher-power loads, you don't even notice recoil. Any deer hunter will tell you that. You know, the deer hunter or the elk hunter or the bear hunter that shoots those, you know, super hot 30.06s or shoots that 300 Magnum or whatever that sits down on that bench and that gun beats you pretty hard on recoil. You go out and you shoot a deer and you've got that white tail in the crosshairs, you've got that big elk in the crosshairs, you squeeze the trigger, you don't even notice the recoil. You absolutely don't. Even people that get into a bad position, maybe because they have to, like they're laying on the prone position in some weird way uh, so they're not going to be seen and get cracked in the head with a scope. You know, and they get the the uh, the scope mark in the forehead, which I always laugh at people that do that. But and I, mostly it's people that can't shoot right that do that. But there are times when you're it's gonna something like that might happen because of a weird way you have to contort your body or something to be able to take a shot. Um, they don't they don't notice it either. They're like, oh, what I got hit. You know, um, there's 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 an adrenaline issue going on there. So 
I think that it's more important that we practice a lot than how much recoil we're absorbing during the practice. Yes, it still makes sense to occasionally go out there and run a few mags of high power through there. Uh, if you're shooting longer distances with your ARs, you're going to have to go to higher power to reach out there. But for consistency, for form, and for just technical ability, it's hard to beat the 22 long rifle. That's why I'm, I'm a big fan of just having a good 10-22 or a Marlin Model 60 to shoot semi-auto. Good bolt action like an old Marlin Model 25 or something like that. Uh, good good handgun in 22. You know, Ruger uh, uh, Ruger Mark II is a great semi-auto. Uh, Sig Mosquito is a great one. Uh, the Ruger Single Six in 22. Uh, a lot of the Rossies that are available, very affordable 22 handguns. They're great for practice. They're great for small game hunting. Uh, so the conversion kits, yes, to have like style of weapon that you train with, but also just the other inexpensive 22 weapons I think are a great way to do a lot of shooting for a little bit of money. I'll also throw in Airsoft with this. I think Airsoft is a great training tool. I did a show on it a long time ago. Uh, I'll throw a link in today's show notes to my show on Airsoft. I think that it's a it's a great way to get a lot of training in, a lot, especially for people that can't get to the gun range. Even look at it this way. You shoot airsoft in your backyard. Even if you're shooting .22s, unless you live out in the country like I do now where you can shoot in your backyard, um, or there's plenty of public ranges or something like that, a lot of places you're going to a range. And now you've got to pay money to shoot at the range. And what's that going to cost you? The one range I shoot at is $7 bucks to, to shoot on the pistol in the rifle range. Well, if I do that twice a week, that's $14 a week. So if I can take some of my practice into my own control... Uh, I can also save money that way, not just on the ammo. With that, we are going to wrap up today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. We kind of did all kinds of things today because we were using your emails. I'm thinking about, again, doing one more show like this and then taking all the leftover ones and all the ones that keep coming in and just dropping one thing a day in or maybe one thing on Monday and Friday or something like that. I, I just think that there's so many that, I mean, I could do one a day and we would go months before we would run out. And I'm sure more will keep coming in. I want to reemphasize again why I'm doing this series, though. I believe, I absolutely believe, that even if we have a, a bigger recovery than I'm anticipating, that sooner or later the day of reckoning is coming for America with the finances. It's no, there's, I mean, there's no one can dispute that our government has been running up the credit card bill to a point where we can never repay it, and the currency is going to have to falter at some point. I'm really worried about the first kind of thing happening is the default in the municipal bond market uh, and the default in the municipal pension. So I'm worried about cities going into bankruptcy, followed by states going into bankruptcy, and a rebasing of the currency can't be long after that. If that takes two years, I'll be surprised, but it could. If it takes five years, I'll be shocked, but it could. If it takes a year and a half, I'm not going to, you know, before it starts, before we see the first major city declaring bankruptcy and having to be bailed out by its state, uh, I think I'll be dead on with my prediction there. Uh, but one way or another, it's coming. And the time to adjust so that you can do more with less is now. We have, you have two choices I see going forward in the future with the economic misery that's coming to America. Either prepare yourself to move down a class. So if you're upper, upper middle class, prepare yourself to move down to a middle class existence. If you're a middle class, prepare yourself to move to lower middle class. If you're lower middle class, prepare yourself to go below the poverty standard of existence. I, I hate to tell you that, but that's what I see coming. And uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Fine. Then we'll put more money in our pockets and we'll have more money for that retirement someday or for whatever it is. We'll live that better life if times get tougher, even if they don't. But I'm telling you, I think the tough times are coming. And I want you to live the better life even when they do come. 
and everything that we're talking about here today. I know no one out there. We've done three shows like this now. Three hours of, more like four hours, because the other two shows went a lot longer than this one. Um, four hours of, of ways to save money. And some of the stuff you're going to listen to, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That's fine. Pick five, ten of the things that you've heard in these three shows. Integrate them into your life. Put $500 a month back in your pocket. That's what's possible. Put $200. It's fine. $100. $100. That's $1,200 a year. How powerful is that? If at 21 you invested $100 a month into an IRA, like a, a, for a Roth IRA or a conventional IRA, and you put them into conservative investments averaging around 7% over the lifetime of the investment, and if you did that from 21 to 31 for 10 years, and you never contributed another dollar, and you held on to that retirement account till age 70, you'd have well over a million dollars in that account. Just from $1,200 a year for 10 years, that's only $12,000. That's what $100 a month can be. And that's just one way to do it. Those of you that know me know I'm much bigger on alternative forms of investment than just throwing money into a retirement account and being exposed to stocks. And who knows, it can be worth worthless by then. But by all of the numbers, 7% will turn you into a millionaire with $100 a month for 10 years. That's just one little thing. And I believe that if you do... 5% of what we've covered in the past three shows, the average American family can put between $300 to $500 a month right back into that budget and start building that better life. Because now is the time to do it. Things are not getting better. They may look like they're getting better, but remember, I told you this would happen before the first crash, in the first episodes of the show, June, July, August of 2008. I said, protect your money. This is coming. It's going to be the worst recession we've seen since the Great Depression. And here's the thing. On the other side of it, it'll look better. It's not the final one. And the real misery is going to be in the second dip. I told you that before the first one occurred. I actually know what I'm talking about with this, folks. I really do. I try not to, you know, kind of toot my own horn too much. I know that nobody wants to hear anybody do that. But the reason I'm saying it today is because I think it's important. I think it's important that you gain control of your life today. Saving money is one part of a multi-pronged approach to doing that. Having skills, uh, being prepared for emergencies and disasters, having ways to produce your own food, your own energy, and things like that. All of it works together. It's like a great big quiver full of arrows. And I want you well armed. This is one of those arrows that needs to be in your quiver. How to stop spending so much. Because then we can make the income that we do have even more powerful. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough. Or even if they don't. on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we There's nothing I can do It's the price we pay, I guess We follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way
Revolution is you.